welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. We've been working through a series at the beginning of the year about our vision, where we're going, what we want to achieve. Okay, and we spent eight weeks on that. And now we're looking at how are we going to do this? The values that lie underneath. Um, there's a story, a well-known story of a, a vicar in Haworth, the same time as the Brontes, a real, real guy, real story. And he, um, if, you don't, if, if, if you don't know Bro- um, Haworth, it's on a hill, massive steep hill with cobbles. And the church was at the top and the pub was at the bottom. And the vicar would start the service off with the longest hymn that he could find. And then he would go down to the bottom of the hill with a big stick into the pub and drive all the men out of the pub up to the church where he'd then preach. Remarkably, it's known as the revival of Haworth. Hundreds and hundreds of men became Christians as a result of the vicar beating them with a stick. That's one way of achieving our vision. Okay, we could do that. Next Sunday morning, guys, Easter Sunday morning, what we're going to do, we're going to give you all a big stick. We're going to go downtown to the coffee shops. We're going to drive people up to church, up Castlegate, preach the gospel to them, and they'll all become Christians. Easy. There's another way of doing it, and I've thought about this. We could put an advert in the Times and Star, and it says, if you come to King's Church on Easter Sunday morning, Every person who comes, comes will be given a brand new £50 note. Do you think we could fill this building? Probably. Would I still have a job? No. Okay, but it's possible. The reason about values is really important is, it's not just what we want to achieve, it's how we are going to achieve it together is really important. Last week, Chris was looking at being Christ-centred, and I'm going to be looking at the second one, which is for God's glory. So, there you go. It's been, it says um, in our values, it says that it's all for the glory of God, being passionate and not passive. Or, as Gilbert and Sullivan might have put it, not being meh about the God we serve. Does anybody with teenagers know what meh means? Meh. Passive, sorry, passionate, not passive. Helpfully, the elders in the years gone by have explained what passive means, uh, sorry, passionate means by contrasting it with being passive. So here's a couple of scriptures just to get us going. Let's start with Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it with justice with faith and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay, the key word I want you to pull out of that scripture is zeal. God has a purpose, he has a plan, and he's going to do it with zeal. Okay, and we'll come into what zeal means shortly. And then a scripture that really scares me is in Revelation 2 and verse 1 through 7 really scares me because, oh, I'll come into it in a minute, but it's just a scary passage. To the angel in the church of Ephesus, write this. 
The words of, and by the way, we're going to be looking at a few scriptures in Ephesians. So think that in your, put that in your head. When you're thinking about Ephesians, this is what the, the Holy Spirit or the, 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 the Jesus is writing to the church. To the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven uh, lampsticks. I know your works, your toil, your patience and endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested these who've called themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Wow, isn't that comforting? I find that really comforting. He knows, he know, God knows, Jesus knows that our works, our toils, our deeds, our patience and endurance, that we want to be righteous and he knows that we're enduring patiently. But, anybody been watching them? Um, not MasterChef, the Great British Bake Off? They tell you all the good things. You get a bit of a drum roll and he says, but. There's always a but. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you, have, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this passage of Scripture scares me because I can do everything right and still... According to this scripture, the church at Ephesians, he says, but you've lost your first love. It's possible to do everything right and still not hit the target. And so we're going to look at that. So let's unpack what passion means. Okay, I'm from Yorkshire. I'm a Dow Yorkshireman. We get very excited. When we get very excited, we'll say, somebody said to me this morning, how's your holiday? It's been, it's okay. (laughs) That means it's fantastic. I'm a Dow Yorkshireman, I get excited about Yorkshire cricket, where we all sit in rows and look like we're bored out of our school, but actually we're having the best day ever. I'm passionate as a Yorkshireman because I remember long days on Scarborough Beach when it's wet and windy, and you know what, those were the halcyon days, those are the days that you remember best because they were exciting. I'm a Yorkshireman, I don't get excited about some things. And when I do get excited, it's difficult for people to understand that. Um, I, I, I get myself into a situation sometimes where people tell me the same thing three or four times. And the first time I get excited, but the fourth time they're telling me, and they say, aren't you excited? Well, I say, yeah, well, yes, I was the first time. Now it's just news. It's just words. I'm not excited anymore. Okay? I'm a dour Yorkshireman. But these are some of the things that... We could associate with passion. These are straight out of the dictionary. Um, it's a powerful or co- um, compelling emotion or a feeling like love or hate. It's an amorous feeling or desire. Their eyes met across a crowded room. Mills and Boone's passion. Okay. Come on the 28th of April if you want to find out more about that. Strong or extravagant fondness or enthusiasm. There's some words that are associated with it. If you go to the next screen... These are some of the words you might associate with passion. Rage. 
joy, excitement, dedication, intensity, desire, affection. Okay? As we're going through this, you might want to just kind of have a tick box where you are, and particularly with your walk with Jesus. Okay? Where does rage come into it? We'll come into that a bit later. Joy, excitement, dedicated, intense, desire, affection. And then we talked about earlier about the zeal of the Lord. Well, zeal is an associated word. It means eager desire or endeavor, enthusiasm, diligence. God is eagerly desiring. He endeavors. He, God is enthusiastic. He's diligent. And some of the words that we could go with that, that are going to help you. Perseverance. He never gives up. Diligence. Determination. Urgency. Intensity. Sincerity. Passion. Fanaticism, devotion, eagerness, earnestness. These are things that are characteristics of the God we serve. Have you ever thought of God as being persevering with us, diligent with us, determined? He's urgent about the things he's doing. He's intense. He's he's sincere, passionate, fanatical about the things he's up to. Devoted to it. He's eager. He's earnest. Let's contrast that with passivity. Passivity is not reacting visibly to something that might be expected to produce manifestations of an emotion or feeling. It means inactive or inert. No active participation. Just sitting there. Yeah, God's done some fantastic things, hasn't he? And I'm so happy. Some of the words that might come with that, unflappable, static, quiet, uninvolved, indifferent, apathetic, flat, yielding, asleep, compliant, docile, forbearing. And the sad thing is, in our churches, in this church, if I can be really controversial, there are some people who are very, very excited, and there are some people who are very indifferent. Okay. There are some people who, this morning, um, words of the psalm, I was glad, very glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord today. Let's go. Let's go. It's going to be fantastic. God's going to be there. People have got to go. Let's, let's go. And there are some people who came this morning and said, well, if I have to, if I've got to, I'll get my mark so I can get the award at the end of the year. Gail's given a free book out, so I might as well go and get it. People sitting here today in both those camps. And how do I know that? Because I've sat in both camps. I've been there. There are sometimes I can't wait to get to church, and there's sometimes I can't wait to get away from it. Does anybody else recognize that feeling? I just cannot wait to get away from you. (laughs) And you can't wait to get away from me. So, just some personal observations from me, because I don't want you to feel guilt like I feel it sometimes. Okay? So, I want to tell you that actually I do get obsessed 
fanatical about some things. And I've, as I was thinking about it, what do I get, what do I get obsessed about? Putting the chairs away properly. I, get, I, have, I have these obsessions. Tropical fish. Who keeps tropical fish? Anybody? See, ten years ago I didn't have one tropical fish. And then I thought, wouldn't it be really good if I had tropical fish? So I got myself a fish tank and then I had to get the, everything right. And then I, I was looking for fish and I had to get the right fish. And then I got a bit confident and I thought, well, actually, do you know what? I could have a special fish in this tank. Then I discovered that the special fish killed the other unspecial fish. Okay. <laughs> so, so we carried on and then, well, I want these special fish. So what I'm going to have to do is get a second tank. I'm, I'm really quite getting into this. Read the books, get the information, go on the net. Okay, and then, do you know what? I found I could buy a blue lobster. Okay, in my tropical tank. And so I got the blue lobster into the tank with what I call all the aggressive fish, because they're Yorkshire fish. Okay, and the sharks. Uh, there was a shark in there, there was um, uh, angelfish and other aggressive ones. And then the other tank was for non-aggressive fish. The, the key about fish is the prettier they are, the more, um, the, more, um, the more vulnerable they are. The prettier they are, the more vulnerable. Okay? The uglier, <laughs> the more dangerous. And then I discovered that lobsters kill other fish. And so it carries on. Now, we, about six months ago, I, we got a dog, and uh, we were really loving the dog. Do you know what? I'm not all that bothered about tropical fish right now. <laughs> Hazel came to my house the other day, and she said, you need to clean your tank. She's absolutely right. It's filthy. Six months ago, it would have been pristine. Obsessions. Here's another one. Paul Smith. Anybody who Paul Smith is? Yeah, put your hand up. You know. Paul Smith is a designer. He designs clothes. And um, I went through a... F now, looking at me, I know you think... You think this guy is just the bee's knees. But I get everything out. Yes, eBay. I was obsessed with eBay. And Paul Smith. I had to have Paul Smith T-shirts, Paul Smith dress shirts, Paul Smith trousers, Paul Smith shoes, Paul Smith socks, Paul Smith underwear, Paul Smith perfume. I was obsessed with it. Even went to the Paul Smith shop in Leeds. Well, Lorraine said I couldn't buy a 15 pound pair of socks and I couldn't understand why. Okay. An obsession. Finding out more and more. Obsessed by it, fanatical about it, intense about it, sincere. You all know that I go fly fishing. And... Um, I got obsessed. I'm obsessed with fly fishing. I love going and just casting. I never catch anything. But that's okay. It's not about the catching. It's not called catching. It's called fishing. Okay? The rod's got to have the right rod, the right reel, the right line, the right flies, the right lures. Dave and I talk about it a fair bit. And the benefit is, at the end of it, you can eat something. So that's okay. I get very obsessed about things. One of the things I get very obsessed about is the church. 
I get obsessed about systems and things and people and what's going on. And some of you are right. Getting the right distance between the chairs is quite important. Okay, that's OCD. That's not obsession. But I am obsessed about it. I, I've been obsessed about it for 40 years. It's an obsession that won't go away. Despite the people that are in it. Okay? Including me. I'm obsessed by it because it's the place, I think, it's the place where it should be the safest place on earth. It should be the place where people who do not yet know Jesus come and they enjoy his presence and they enjoy what's happening. It's a place of healing, it's a place of friendship, it's a place of community, it's a place where people can be made whole again emotionally. It's, it's the most beautiful thing. And the reason why I'm obsessed with it, partly, is because I read that Jesus is obsessed with the church. Okay, and I get obsessed with it. I, I live for it. It is one of the driving passions in my life, the church. And the sad thing is that it detracts me from being obsessed with the real prize. The real prize is being obsessed with Jesus. And the church can distract me from being obsessed with Jesus. In the absence of love and enthusiasm for Jesus, I can get very loving and caring and protective and enthusiastic about the church. That's why this book in Revelation, this chapter in Revelation scares me. There have been times in my life where the church has been much more important to me than Jesus himself. But I am obsessed with Jesus. What a marvellous obsession to have. This man. This man who the Bible describes as nothing, when you look at him, there's nothing that you'd go, wow. Jesus is not an Adonis. He's not all pumped up. Jesus is not the sort of guy that you'd walk a million miles to go and see. That's the way the Bible describes him. Describes him as a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He knows what pain and suffering is. It's a man who the Bible describes as going to a cross to die for us. He's a man who the Bible describes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Beautiful Saviour, Emmanuel, God with us. What an obsession to have. A man who completely and utterly changed my life 180 degrees. When I was at university, living the high life, doing the stuff, from nowhere, absolutely nowhere, God breaks into my life. And suddenly, this glorious obsession with Jesus starts. And it's all for his glory. Jesus does things for his glory. He's not passive 
about his fame and his name. He's not passive about his reputation. He's not passive about what people think about him. He's not passive about the state of this world. He's not passive about where you are, where you're sitting right now. Jesus is not passive about it, just going, well, I'll just wait. I'll wait until... Let's see. I'm going to try trying to choose something that I wouldn't embarrass. Brian. I'm not going to wait until Brian sorts his life out. I'll wait here and... Um, yeah, life will teach me a few things, and once life's taught me a few things, he'll come with his tail between his legs, and he'll say, yeah, I suppose now I really ought to follow Jesus. My life's a mess. It's not really, is it, Brian? No, no, no. It's not, my life's a mess. Things have gone wrong. I might as well find Jesus. And Jesus is just sitting there going, meh. I'll just wait. The Bible teaches that he's passionate about seeking out. He's intense about seeking out. He is, is he's, what is it? Persevering, seeking out. He goes to seek the lost sheep. He leaves the other 99 behind. He goes to find the one that's missing. He's diligent about it. He's determined. He will not give up until he's found Brian. He won't give up until Brian is in the flock. He's urgent about it. Urgent. Find him now. Now. He's um, intense about it. He's sincere. He's fanatical about it. He's eager to find Brian. Jesus is not passive. But there are some things that Jesus... Other things that Jesus is really passionate about, I just want to touch on them very briefly. Jesus is very passionate about our work, the things that you do, whether that's in an office, in a school, at a home, wherever it is that you do something that's called work, Jesus is passionate about. For we, Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Jesus is passionate about what you do and he wants you to be passionate about it. These are things that Jesus is passionate about. He wants you to be passionate about, about the things you do. There have been times in my life when I wake up in the morning and think, I really do not want to go to work. I hate it, don't like it, don't want to be there, not interested. But there's one little thing that keeps me going. It's called money. Without money, I can't go on holiday. Without holidays, I can't get rest. Without rest, I get stressed. Without stress, I can't do things. I need the money. There are times when going to work is actually pants. Does anybody recognize that? Getting out of bed in the morning to go to work is just hard work. But Jesus is passionate about our work. And he has put you in that place where it is for a particular reason, for a particular time, for a particular purpose. And he's done it for a reason. Okay? And he's prepared it beforehand so that you can be working police with computers. 
So that's right, isn't it? Yep. So going to Crask goes every morning over to Penrith to set up police systems on the IT. Okay, pretty mundane. It's not a job I could do, but it's a job he can do and he can do well. Jesus is passionate about that job. And he wants us to be passionate about it. And how does he want me to express that? Well, by being the very best technician that I could, or Crask, in Crask's case, for that Crask could be the very best technician with the police that he can be in that place at that time, bringing glory to God. Now, you think about your work. Okay? When you turn up on Monday morning, tomorrow, school teachers particularly, you've had two weeks off, you're going back tomorrow, you'll be full of the joys of spring, I'm sure, because it's only a four-day week. Okay, but Jesus wants you to take the kingdom with you into your work tomorrow to bring glory to him. And it might be hard work sometimes, it might be difficult, but actually God wants you there. He's put you there for a purpose. He's passionate about our work. Are you passionate about your work? When you wake up in the morning, are you going to go, well, I heard what Paul said yesterday, but frankly, do you have a reputation for being the best worker? Do you have a reputation for being hardworking, true, honest, with integrity? Do you have a reputation of being the one that everybody turns to for wisdom? These, bring, these things bring glory to Jesus. Here's another one. Jesus, Jesus is compassionate, uh, sorry, passionate about the gospel. Romans 1, 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus is passionate about the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. The bad news is that before I become a Christian, I'm outside of being a Christian. It means that right now, I'm at war with God. God is angry with me. Oh, not with me, but with my sin. I'm divorced from God. I can't have a relationship with him. I'm outside. I'm not part of the kingdom. Okay, and the good news is that Jesus dies for us. That's what Easter's all about. He dies for us so that we can move from one kingdom into the next kingdom, into his kingdom, where I can have a relationship with him, where I can know him as my father. I can know him as a loving, caring God for me personally, where Jesus is my brother and I'm in Christ and God comes to me and he, he, he loves me and he cares for me. Now, he still loves and cares for me when I'm here. He loves me enough to come and find me. He's passionate about the lost. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is a wonderful thing. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. He's passionate about the gospel. How do I know he's passionate about the gospel? Well, because next Sunday we're going to be celebrating how he died on a cross and he rose again. For the joy that was set before him, he endured pain, even pain on a cross. He was passionate about it. We even call this week 
the passion of Christ. He's passionate about the gospel. He's passionate about the lost. In Luke, we're told a story, Luke 19, about a little man called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a rip-off merchant, thief, con artist, taxman. He's not well-respected in the community. He's hated. And Jesus goes and finds him out. And right at the end of the story, we hear that Zacchaeus wants to follow Jesus. And the text says this, that the Son of Man comes to seek those who are lost. He comes to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is passionate about people who are lost. And you might feel lost this morning. You might feel lost in your emotions, in your health, in your lifestyle, in your culture, in your family, lost. But Jesus is passionate enough to come and find you, to seek and to serve you. He's passionate about social justice. Social justice means that there are people out there who are struggling with life because of different circumstances who are, the world is against them. I think I said before from here, universal credit, as it hits, as it's rolled out more and more and more. Not a week goes by in our office when somebody doesn't come in and says, I'm struggling with universal credit. Can you help me? Got no money. I told you the story a while ago of a couple who came in who were on universal credit and they told me they'd got no money and they'd had struggles. They were two weeks away from their next payment and they'd got 45 pence in their bank account for the lecky, for the gas, for the rent, for their food. Social injustice. God hates it with a passion. I just uh, was at a meeting, or hosting a meeting a couple of weeks ago, of people who are involved in refugee and asylum seeker work. And the social injustice that comes with that. The awfulness of being in a country where you thought was absolutely fantastic, and for whatever reason, we'll not go into that, but for whatever reason, you want to come to England, you get to England, and frankly, what you find is it's pants. And you have nothing to live on. People with addictions. For whatever reason they're in, addicted, they are involved, they are caught up in a world of social injustice that doesn't help them. You don't need me to go through all this because actually it's just there on our screens every day. I told you about a book. Poverty Safari, which woke me up to how middle class I've become, how judgmental I've become of people who find themselves at the wrong end of social injustice. But Jesus cares. The word compassion, is that, um, do we have that screen on there? Compassion, it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who's stricken by misfortune and it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate suffering. Compassion comes with indignation. 
If I'm not indignant about somebody's position, I haven't really understood what it means to be compassionate. But Jesus does. Time and time again, we hear stories of Jesus going to the very place where social justice needs to be sorted out. A woman who's met, who's caught in adultery, who's about to be stoned to death. Jesus is at the heart of solving that problem for that woman. People, we had this story this morning, a woman who's been ill for 12 years. Now, being ill in that society meant no money. She was actually cast out. There was a reason why she touched the hem of his garden, and that's because, she, she, I don't know why we're bouncing around. Are we? Um, there's a reason why she was at the edge, because she wasn't included in the community anymore. She was ill. She was bleeding everywhere, all the time, 12 years. People didn't want anything to do with her, touch her. What about the lepers that Jesus goes and heals and touches? Social injustice, putting it right. Being indignant about their situations and changing it forever. Jesus is passionate about the church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 tells us that he loved the church and he gave himself for her. Jesus is absolutely obsessed with his church. Why, why do I know that? Because we're told that the church is like the bride of Christ. He's a, she's the bride. When I got married to Lorraine, I have to tell you that I was absolutely besotted and obsessed by her. When she walked down the aisle, every little detail counted for me. It's like this version of beauty walking down the aisle. I was obsessed with her. It was like, wow, I am marrying this woman. Why she is marrying me, I have not the foggiest idea. But I know why I'm marrying her. Obsessed with her beauty, obsessed with her character, obsessed with the things she does, obsessed with her cooking, as you can see. <laughs> obsessed with her. And Jesus is obsessed with the church. He's obsessed with every little detail because what he says is that he's going to present, or God is going to present the, the church to Jesus, pure, perfect, righteous, and clean. He's obsessed with us. And finally, he's obsessed for his glory. He's passionate about his glory. Jesus just doesn't get upset when people speak his name out and rubbish it. He's passionate about it. Everything is for his glory. Ephesians chapter 5, sorry, chapter 3, verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever and forever. Amen. Jesus' Jesus' name is so important to him. His reputation is so important to him. Everything is for his glory. Everything. We're told that the world is created for his glory. We were created for his glory. The end is coming, but it's for his glory. How do we do all this? I'm wrap it up. How do we do all this? Because I've already confessed to you that there have been times when I was obsessed with the church so much that I wasn't obsessed with Jesus. 
how do I, how do I correct this? Well, I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Why do I need this? Because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to consistently and urgently draw me to Jesus. When I am doing it in my own strength, that is when I get obsessed with you to the point that I forget about Jesus. When I, I know that I'm in trouble when I'm obsessed with detail and not obsessed with Jesus. And at that point, I know that I'm doing it out of everything that's in me and not out of everything that's in him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit is drawing me to Jesus, drawing my attention to him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that when I'm reading the Bible and um, I, you know, I look at it and think, where's Jesus in this? But Jesus is on every page. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws me to, to who he is. Every verse, every bit of the Bible tells me about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When I'm full of the Holy Spirit and I see you, instead of seeing the faults, I see Jesus. What Jesus is doing in your life. When I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I get obsessed with the things that Jesus is obsessed with. The things that he's passionate about. When I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I cannot be passive. It is impossible to be passive if you're full of the Holy Spirit. Impossible. It cannot happen. I can't sit here week after... In fact, I want to tell you something. I'm fed up with sitting here week after week after week. Really. I want to see God moving. I want to see his name being restored. I want to see his kingdom coming to Cockermouth and the surrounding areas. I want to see people, the lost, coming in and being saved. I want social injustice to be put right. I want all these things because, actually, I want these things because Jesus wants these things. I don't want to sit here week after week after week just going through the motions. And if you do, that's great. Please go and find a church that's acceptable that does that. Don't do it. Don't come week after week after week just sitting there going, meh. Well, this morning, Becca was okay. I'll give her six out of ten for this morning's worship. I thought a couple of words were all right. I thought the preach was meh. Go home and um, complain about it and witter on about it. And I wish kings had changed this. I wish kings had changed that. I wish kings would do this, do that, do the other. Listen, don't be that person. Don't be passive. Don't be passive. Jesus wants to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can be as passionate about the things he's passionate about as he is. We're going to sing. I've finished. We're going to sing. I don't know what we're going to sing. Becca's got something there. But while we're singing... Perhaps this morning, you are not yet a Christian. And there's some things that have intrigued you about this morning. You might have 
completely thought I was boring, that's acceptable, that's fine. But there are other things that you might think to yourself, well, I need to ask some questions about that. I want to find out more about why Easter is so important to these Christians. Well, as we sing, why don't you ask the question? Perhaps you're one of those people who sits here week after week just going, nah. Or perhaps you're like me, that sometimes you're passionate and sometimes you can't be bothered. Sometimes you're obsessed by the wrong thing. Or perhaps like me, you just know that this week, as I've gone from task to task to task, you know what, I need to be full of the Holy Spirit yet again. Yet again, I need to receive the Holy Spirit. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. I need to be a person who's just deluged and soaking in the Holy Spirit so that I can be passionate about the things he's passionate about. Whatever it is that God's been speaking to you this morning about, as we're singing, why don't you respond? If you particularly want to have some prayer for something, why don't you come out? Perhaps you're not well and God can heal you this morning. Perhaps you've got a difficult circumstance you want to be prayed over. That's fine. Perhaps you just want to receive the Holy Spirit again and again and again.